This is 11 o'clock. In 11 o'clock, I'll be talking to people I find inspiring, whose hobbies I find interesting, or whose lived experience can help us shape and improve our worldview. I believe everyone has a story that we can all learn something from, and hopefully by asking the right questions, I'll be able to find some amazing answers. Welcome to 11 o'clock. So welcome back to 11 o'clock, and I'm in the... Uh, amazing grub hub grub food van sorry yeah. in Fitzroy which is one of my favorite places and I'm talking to Pauline Calmet yes yes uh and we're here to talk about your show that's coming at the butterfly club uh which is called Unleash the Beast but I thought first we would talk about you because you describe yourself as a court jester so can you tell us a bit about that yeah so I found this term uh thanks to Dario who's an Italian uh, performer and writer. Uh, he's now dead, recently dead, but he was old, so that's okay. <laughs> and so when I started theater, I worked on one of his monologue, and it was kind of like it clicked. Like it was a very beginning of my journey as an actor, and I really I worked on this monologue and it clicked with something like I met uh, I felt I felt I met my family like artistic family with this monologue and Dario would tell that the gesture like in French he said something like is a, a juggler the equivalent of a juggler but with words and stories and the juggler would come on the place of a, of a town and he would tell stories and he would interact with the people and tell what happened outside in the world and I feel that this is what I want to be when I perform my solo show is about like there is people in the room I'm here I don't prepare anything but we are gonna tell story about the people and about the world of now and yeah, so that's the spirit that I want to be in is um be the be there for the audience. Yeah. Is it clear? Pretty much. Pretty How much. You say so you've done tr acting training. Yes. I but know. you specialize in this more being a clown. Yeah, so I had first I've done a classic acting school where you learn theater through learning text um, of famous authors. And this is where I learned the basics of acting, like how to just be you on stage, um, breathing on stage and feeling what's happening. But then after that, after these two years of school, I started to attend uh, a class that was really about physical theater. And this is when I discover how to clown and what does it mean. And that was my second click or meeting with a, um, yeah, like kind of artistic meeting. And this is where I was like, oh, I've been a clown for a while, but I didn't know. And now I have tools to control what I'm doing as a clown and understand what what is clowning yeah so. is learning how to be a clown harder than learning how to be an actor 
I don't know if it's a universal answer, but I found that learning how to be a clown yeah, is harder because you have to face yourself in the most uncomfortable way. Clowning is about struggling with what you are in front of people. And hopefully that will be funny. Um, so in clowning, you have you touching something about the truth, and the truth is not perfect and it's not beautiful, but it's you, and it's yeah, it's authentic. Yeah. Did you go to a particular clowning school? Yeah. So the clowning school I I do is called uh, it's a, a letter, so it's Isaac, and it's been international school of acting and creativity and the teacher is based in Brisbane but I met him in Paris and in Croatia so it's big international and he has worked with uh, Slava Snow Show and Cirque du Soleil and he has been a, a physical theater teacher and a clown teacher for a long time like decades I, I don't know how many years a long time <laughs> Yeah. And when you're being a clown in your site, is it different to what people expect? Are you white face painted with the big grin, all of that sort of stuff? Or are you totally different to that? Uh, I, I don't have a nose and I don't paint my face. Um, so it's more about the way to act, uh, the way to be on stage, what I'm going to play with. Um, so my teacher, clown teacher, he used to say also like Chaplin and Buster Keaton, they are clowns. Uh, and they don't wear a nose and they don't have a white face. What they do is they tell story and they do comedy with the physicality of the situation. Like this is because Chaplin falls that everyone laughs. So he, he master the relationship between the movement, the shape and the the feelings of it. Yeah. Is, is clowning like acting where or a lot of actors sort of do like the method thing where they have to feel and so do you connect with that or is it more about the physicality or do you really have to hook onto an emotion to express it? Yeah, so yeah. So what whatever method you use, um, this is about emotion and feeling. Performance on stage with audience, this is about feelings. It's about feeling something. For you, for them, maybe they will not feel what you feel, but this is the thing. Is like if you don't feel anything, it's boring. It's really boring. So yes, the the physicality of it is a trigger for feeling, and the feeling is gonna push you to do more physical stuff. Yeah. When people are generally clowns, they seem to be very extrovert and you know, in the, own their own body and space, would you call yourself naturally that sort of person? Are you the kind of person who's always making jokes? Oh. Or are you, <laughs> your clown exists on stage, but that's not you in your everyday life? Um, that's a good question. I, I'm very interested by uh, human behavior. So the extrovert and introvert is something I notice for me is depends on the context. Um, I can be very extravagant, but I can be also very shy. The moment in my life where I'm clowning, I think often it's not in purpose. Like I'm just going to hit the door or I'm going to 
like make something clumsy or I'm I'm gonna not understand something and then I'm gonna be a bit offset or just on the side of the context. So, but sometimes yes, sometimes I can be funny in in my real life. <laughs> but did you grow up being the class clown? Uh, or uh, can, can you ask that again? The class clown. Did you grow up being a class clown, like the person who was always entertaining in class, or uh, you know, deliberately mucking up, or no, 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 no. I was I was very shy. Uh, I was not really comfortable with my body, and I thought I was like, you know, like you have the cool people when you're in high school. I was the opposite of them, not the cool people. Yep. More the nerd. Yeah. Uh, and and I felt that on stage when I started theater um, in the end of high school, I felt that the stage was a safe place for me to be me. So I started to be more extravert on stage because there were kind of a safety nice. Nobody is going to come on stage and stop me for doing what I'm doing. Um, but I think when I was a very like more little kid, I could be a clown in my family. But for the you know when you do shows for your parents, yeah, yeah. So I would very I would be very enthusiastic to make the show. But when it's the moment to do the show, I would hide behind my older sister and not wanting to do it. So it was kind of like I want to do it, I want to do it. And last minute, like no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking about your family and your parents, like when you said, I'm going to go to acting school, how did they act? And when you went, I want to be a clown, yeah. how did they cope with that? Did they embrace it or were they well, like... Um, so before being an actor, I was a computer science engineer, uh, but it's not written there. <laughs> no, that's not at all written there. So it's not the first thing I said to them. First thing was like, I'm going to do an engineer school because I want to be a I want to do computer science for doing movies like 3D movies so I started by that and then after three years of being an engineer I told them actually I'm gonna stop that and I'm gonna start to train as an actor and at this point they were pretty confident because I already I was already independent financially and in my brain so they were a bit surprised because there was no actor in my family, but uh, there was a musician. Uh, my father and my sister are musicians. So the fiber, artistic fiber was there. But there was more like, well, okay. <laughs> and the clown was way more recent. It's like a few years ago. And for them, I think that was more the Pauline. Like when I'm clowning, they just see the four-year-old Pauline day. So when I was... Um, a kid. That's what my mother said one day when she saw me um, on stage improvising. She said, "When you play as a dog, when you do the dog, because I was a dog, you look like when you were four years old." So for me, that was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that you have to go back to that childlike um, memory and to be a clown on stage, or um, were you naturally just happen to? reenact that or were you actually trying to remember uh, how you did it when you were a kid so if you would remember that you would i think you would try to do the stanislavski method it's like he, uh, a, a part of it because he was also about the physicality but the thing about bringing back memories to from the past to the present uh, i tried to do that for different plays 
But it didn't work very well because I don't remember the feeling. I remember the story, but I don't remember the feeling. So I don't try to remember, but I really like to be a child. So I'm more like, what if I didn't grow up? What, what would I do now? And when you look at kids, it's a good lessons. Like, they do things that you can't expect. It's always like, why are you doing that? And, and so that's good lessons. So instead of thinking about my childhood, I would, I would look at kids and like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Things like this, yeah. Cool. Now, you've got a show coming up. Yes. That you're improvising yeah. the whole thing. Do you want to tell us about the show? Yeah. So that's a fully improvised one-woman show. And I've done it in Paris uh, seven dates, I think, before coming here. Do you want to know why I created this show? Or oh, more, what's the show what about? The show about? Okay. So, so the show is about daring to create a an, an solo show without preparation. Um I I really wanted to be a stand-up comedian at some point of my life, but I was too too much too much pressure to to write jokes, too much pressure to be funny, and too much pressure that people expect me to be funny. And at the same time, when I improvise, people laugh and they really have a good time. So I was like, what would I put pressure on myself writing something down when? When I don't prepare it, this is funny. <laughs> so that was the one of the reason. And the show is really about I start with nothing, but I try to be aware of everything that happened, and I start to play with it. So sometimes the people I had uh, often some people they think that it's not improvised because there is no really trigger or structure. I'm not like, can you give me a word? Or I don't ask. Um, a title. I don't ask any of that. I'm just hanging around before the show, talking with the audience, grabbing some names or just feelings or understanding who comes with who came with who, you know the, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that will inspire me. And during the show, I can interact with the audience. But it's for the people who saw the show. They, I think they could tell you that I grab little thing. Like maybe someone did move his head and look at his neighbor and that's gonna this is what I'm gonna get and I'm gonna do it on stage and it's gonna bring me somewhere until the inspiration is over and so I stop and I start something else so it's like little pieces but often at the the end of the show it there is a cycle and it I put everything together so it creates like a kind of a narrative but I, it's not like I'm going to tell you one story. It's like things happen. It's more organic. Yeah. And how did you come up with the idea? Because from what I understand, with improvisation, you usually have to, you know, you take inspiration from your fellow improvisers and you say yes to everything. Yeah. But also when you're on stage, it's really hard to necessarily see your audience. Yeah. So, and unless you, and you, now you've mentioned that you pick stuff before, but when you're actually on stage... How do you make sure that you've got stuff that you can get inspiration from? Well, I'm not sure. This is where the risk is, is maybe nothing is going to inspire me. This is why I practice 
this feeling when I train. I, I told you before at the interview that I was training this morning. And there is an exercise that you... So I'm training alone. Nobody's in, in the room. <laughs> it's really weird feeling. And so you are starting like a movement, but you don't have a feeling and you have no idea of what is happening. And there is a split second when you really feel inside... I have no idea of what is going on. And practicing this feeling helps you to stop panicking about it. And that's where you start to, when you are less panicked, panicked? Panicked, yeah. Panicked about it. You have more awareness about what could happen. And then all the time something happens. There is always something. You always have a feeling. You always have a movement. And you always have all your senses ready. So basically there is always something you can play with. But it's... Um, there is... How do you call that when you have... Fuzzy. Uh, fuzzy, yeah. yeah. And then you can't see it because you're too panicking or you're too self-centered. So you missed... You miss the thing that happened, but if you feel if you feel peaceful, you always see what happened, and that's that's what is pretty cool. <laughs> I always ask people how they develop their shows, and you know who they spoke to, and how did they get advice and feedback. Yeah. So with a show like this, where you're totally happening in the moment of your audience, how did you develop the show, or did you have a mentor to help you, and how did you do that? Um, I feel the biggest step I took in this show was through audience feedback and especially improvisers' audience feedback. And the first, the first date of the show, that was pretty painful for me to do. But I had two friends who came, two improviser, professional improvisers from Paris, and they, they gave me really precious advice about what I did. And it really helped me a lot. And then after that, I spent time with the audience after the show. And I tried to listen. It's still be aware of everything. Try to listen that everybody says, even if like good or bad. Because this is when I get the most precious thing to adjust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the one really cool thing, even though I cannot speak French. Yeah. You're going to do some of these shows in French. Yes. Have you tested that here or like, because most of them will be in English. Yeah. Three dates in English and two dates in French. Yeah. And did you do much research into knowing how many French people or many people can speak French or do you have to speak French to actually attend? Um, yeah. So um, there is a pretty big French community in Melbourne that I didn't know. Uh, there is a, a Facebook group called the Frenchies, something like that in Melbourne. And there are 3,000 people in the group. So it's kind of a big, big community. I've, yeah, I've been in touch with, there is a improvisation theater company called the French Loop. And that they do exclusively French improvisation. So shows and teaching for kids and adults. In Melbourne. In Melbourne. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, they were uh, very good to me because they really helped me to and to meet people in the community. And yesterday I went to Le Café de la Rentrée, 
which was a, an event organized with the Consul of Francis in Melbourne. Okay. And everyone, all the French community was there. So that was a good way to meet them. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know there was such a big French community. Yeah, yeah, me neither. <laughs> and you've just moved to Melbourne, yes. right? Yes. But you came from Paris? Yes. What do you think of living in Melbourne? Because, you know, you live in one of the most romantic and romanticized mm. cities in the world to move here. How's it going for you? Um, it's going well. I Something I really appreciate, so I live in Fitzroy and I feel really lucky to live there because what I wanted to do when I arrived in Melbourne, and maybe it's going to sound weird, but I really wanted to have hobbies. So I could start dance classes and Aikido classes and the swimming pool is not that far too so I could start to put these things that are really important for me for my physical training and that's really easy to access so and also I can train to the butterfly club um, going I can walk too so I had this really easy way of living in the city which was very different from my experience in Paris because I was living in the suburb and so I don't know if you heard that, uh, but Paris uh, suffered from a lot of strikes in the public transport. So when mm -hmm. you depend on the public transport in Paris, you can just be crazy. It's, it, it's really hard. So it was pretty intense to live there. About the beautiful city, etc., uh, I don't know. I feel I did my time in Paris. I spent nine years there and it was beautiful. And I had a lot of friends there. So maybe that what I could miss is more my friends that I will not see uh, in a while. But the city itself was like, Melbourne is really cool. It's like a, a, ver a chill version of Paris. It's like Paris, but you have space <laughs> and time. Yeah. I thought your public transport was great when I was there, but I didn't have Good. to deal with a strike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when it works, it's amazing. And when it doesn't work, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, are you planning to stay and base yourself here or are you just... I'd like to stay, yeah. I'm going to stay a year for sure. And if I stay, if Australia allow me to stay longer, <laughs> I stay longer. Yeah. Great. And then what's your plans after this? What's hmm. the... You're going to do the show? Yeah. And then what's, what else have you got planned? So my plan is to conquer the world. No. <laughs> uh, so I will go in Auckland in April for performing this show in the Impro Auckland Festival. And my plan is to... What is my plan? I think my plan is to perform this show again. So if it goes well at the Butterfly Club, maybe we can do more dates there. So if I could perform regularly, like once a week or something like it becomes a habit of my life, that would be great. I would love that. And I have some collaboration with Impro Melbourne coming. I have a, I'm going to teach a workshop in March after the show. And I teach also myself on Sunday. I created an organization called the Joyful School and it's for teaching improv yeah so i hope i will have more opportunity to perform this show yeah <laughs> cool and do you want to tell us more about your classes like the joyful school yeah what's that about yeah so it's still in development uh exactly what i want to achieve with this school but 
for sure, I want to teach improv in the way I feel it's the best to see. Like, I want to teach improv in a way that when improvisers they perform like this, it's amazing. And um, so I teach on Sunday afternoon. At the moment, it's physical, uh, improvised physical comedy. But I like to maybe extend different um, things. But at the moment, I'm just starting to create the community, like having people who shows up at the at the workshop, and it's pretty cool. And I had a, I met someone. I don't. I, I guess I can talk about it. Um, so he came to my workshop, and he and I asked him why did you come, and he said I, I, uh, I've realized I'm in the spectrum three years ago, but he has been in the spectrum all his life. And it's just been three years ago that he started to improve that. And we did a two-hour workshop. And he said that he can speak to his psychotherapist for ages, for hundreds of years. He won't do the change. He won't make any change for him. But when he actually practiced what we did, he said that it actually makes something happen. Because he, he has the chance to train what the emotion, the shape, the interaction with other people. And I was like, wow, that's that's huge. Yeah. Uh, it's really huge. And so I thought if... So I asked him, like, could we gather other people and maybe created a impro on the spectrum for um, just helping people to train uh, human skills? So that's, that's one area. And the other area, what I was doing a lot in... In France, is uh, corporate training. So bringing uh, improvisation theater tools in companies, in corporation, to help people to deal with emotion, um, conflicts, management, any human skills or human communication. And that's quite amazing how improvisation helped that. It's like, it's, it's really efficient. So, yeah, it's like developing this area of applying impro to help people. Yeah. Different Great. Ways. Yeah. Okay. So, the show's called Unleash the Beast. How do you say it in French? La bête de Seine. It always sounds better. <laughs> always sounds. Everything sounds better in French. Uh, and when is the show on? It's uh, on March from 9 to 14th, 9, 13, and 14 in English. 11 and 12 in French, and it's at 7 p.m. at the Butterfly Club. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it. Uh, and this, um, your classes sound amazing. It's cool. really good. <laughs> but yeah, good luck. Come if you want. <laughs> I hate improvisation. Oh, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I am much more uh, give me the script and tell me where to okay. stand. Good. I've done it recently. <laughs> A, a clowning workshop and I was just like I realise I never want to do this again wow uh, I hope the teacher was good oh yeah she's great okay, okay. it's me it's okay. like, I don't like this this <laughs> okay. is not my process well yeah my te- the teacher was great yeah I will go see her all of her shows good yeah, just not for me <laughs> anyway thank you so much thank you go out and enjoy the rest of this lovely yeah. day and this ginger beer and ginger beer <laughs> thanks I hope you've enjoyed this episode of 11 o'clock Please rate and review us on iTunes, comment on our Facebook page, and share us to your social media. I look forward to bringing you more episodes very soon.